I don't know if you uh, know this guy. His name is Eminem. He's a rapper. I would argue maybe one of the best rappers of all time. And was huge when I was growing up. Also, I would argue is one of the hardest, dirtiest, lewdest, most scandalous rappers of all time as well. If there was something to be said that shouldn't be said, he said it. It was usually a couple middle fingers to the entire world. One of the worst of the worst. Signed with Death Row Records. He just as, I'll use their lingo, dropped a track yesterday. And on that track, he raps about coming to know Jesus. That prayer is now his greatest weapon. That he accepts all the mistakes he made and he's sorry for them. Now, I'm not saying Eminem is a rock star Christian. Probably got a long ways to go. But he has definitely had a change of heart. I always said growing up, once I had my conversion, because my BC, I was, my BC life, my before conversion, I listened to him. I liked rap. Now I hate rap. And I always said after I converted, I said, if Eminem converts, we got to be close to the end of the world. So we, we might be close to the end of the world. And the reason I bring this up is because different sins affect different people different ways. Traditionally, there's been four major hooks, if you call them, for sin. Those four are power, pleasure, wealth, and honor. People will do anything to get these. They'll do anything to retain them, hurt any person destroy any relationship, break any law. They're intoxicated by them. Eminem did everything in his power to be noticed. He wanted honor, or what we call vanity. He would do anything, rap any lyric, just to stay on top. So people loved him. So what is honor, vanity? It's what the readings are all about today. It's an inordinate preoccupation with what other people think about you. You want to be admired. You want to be the center of attention. To have everyone look at you. And you'll do anything to keep it. I felt just a tiny bit of what rock stars feel. When I was chaplain at St. Mary's High School, my last year, we had the state know your faith Championship. There are over a thousand Catholic school kids in the St. Mary's gym. And I sang with a live band. Father Nick Schneider was lead guitarist. I sang Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And I'm telling you, you guys, it's not even my song. I'm not even, I don't sing like Jovi does. But having people in front of you screaming and singing, it was a rush. It was like a bit intoxicating, I have to admit. You can see this problem everywhere throughout our messed up history. It affects politicians. They'll do anything to stay on top, anything to get the vote. Big actresses, actors in Hollywood, they'll say anything, align with any ideology to stay on top. Singers, athletes, and quite honestly, it affects all of us. 
So why is vanity such a fleeting thing? Why is it so destructive to the human person? And why do we get so addicted to it? The first reason vanity is so destructive is because your life is utterly in control of other people. To be in love with honor is to be almost completely a slave. Because your joy depends upon the, appeal, the, the approval of other people. The crowd, you could be doing the best things possible. The crowd doesn't like you, you're not happy. You could be doing the worst things, a.k.a. M&M. If the crowd loves you, you're on top. You are utterly in control of others. This is why, you guys, social media is one of the most detrimental things to hit humanity in decades. What is TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Most people on these platforms, all they're doing, they're at the mercy of all their followers. And all they're doing is try to portray how great life is. Look at what I'm doing and you're not. Look at how amazing everything in my life is. It's all a show. And then, on top of this, my buddy this last week showed me this app. It's called Fix the Photo. And I think there's hundreds of these things. Fix the Photo is you like basically, you know, for a guy, take a shirt off and you take a picture of your fat self and you send it into, I don't know where, but somewhere, a company and pay them five bucks. And there's over a hundred different things you can do to tweak the image of your body. You can change your beard color, extra chest hair, no chest hair. Tighter stomach, six-pack, pecs, wider shoulders, longer hair, greater tan. You don't even have to get a spray tan, ladies, anymore. You can do it online. Now, my buddy is not terribly out of shape, but the before and after pictures, holy cow. And it looks real. So now, we have a whole platform dedicated to running a narrative that's not true about who you really are, and you can make pictures that make you look better than you are. So what happens when people really meet you? It's all a lie. You realize how fractured people are? This is why there's mental illness, anxiety, depression. You're trying to be somebody you're not. And then when you have all of these followers, all of these likes, you sit down at night and you're still lonely. And you say, how can this be? Everybody loves me. But you're still you. Still wounded, still broken, still full of baggage. You guys, there are three versions of every person. The you others think you are, the you you think you are, and finally, the you God knows you are. When do you have a happy person? When all three are integrated. When do you have all this crazy stuff? When they're all disintegrated. And social media thrives off of the you others think you are. And it's exhausting to keep that up. You don't gain anything. It doesn't fix you. You're still you. And that's the second problem with vanity. It adds nothing to your life. So the crowd thinks you're great. Who cares? What does that do for you? Your being, your person. 
So I'm the most famous person in the world. So what? You know, I, I quote Tom Brady quite a bit. But even if everybody knows you and you're incredibly popular, you're still you, right? He said, they interviewed him, they said, Tom, what's it like to be the king of football? And he said, um, it's good, but I, I didn't think it came with so much baggage. I, I can't go out anymore. And if I do, people expect something from me. Could you imagine every time you went out, people expected you to be the best person you could possibly be. Never get mad, never get angry, always just be perfect. Just like you are on TV. It's exhausting. And it's crippling. So how do we get out of honor? This addiction to it? Because here's the deal. I can tell you about politicians, actresses, a- actors, singers. We all got this, man. They're just more on stage than we are. So how do we get out of it? Sirach, first reading. Conduct your affairs in humility. Humble yourself the more, the greater you are. They once asked St. Augustine, what are the three virtues of the spiritual life? He said, the first one, no doubt, is humility. And I'm pretty sure, I'd have to guess, but the second one, I'm, I'm almost sure, is humility. And the third one, gotta be humility. Humility is so counterintuitive to the modern man. Modern man is an independent, self-motivated, control freak. He's not weak and wounded. He clings to the Olympic model. Sitsus, altsus, fortsus, higher, faster, stronger. All the while not knowing he, she is really slower, lower, and weaker. Until you understand that, you want to understand who you are. You know, humility comes from the Latin word humus. It means grounded or earthy. It means you're connected to reality. You know where you stand in the cosmic order. And most of all, you know you're not God. Do you guys remember, I, this popped into my head when I was praying over this this week. Do you remember when John Lennon, he said that the Beatles are bigger than Jesus Christ? And people freaked. That's what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. We all, we all sit back and be like, oh yeah, John Lennon. What a nut. Anytime that you say, God, I'm not doing what you want me to do, you're doing the same thing John Lennon did. I'm God, not you. I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I want to do. Bon Jovi again. I don't know if you know Richie Sambora, he's the lead guitarist. Monsignor Richter tells a great story about him. They were out in California and they ran into him at some restaurant. And they had this long talk, because Richie's... Catholic, you know, <laughs> I don't know how Catholic, but he's, he's a Catholic. Anyway, so he was fascinated with the priest that he was meeting with, and then Monsignor's like, Richie, what's it like? Like being on stage. And he's like, oh, Father, half the year, I'm a god. The other half of the year, I'm a drunk, drug addict, depressed on antidepressants. Why? Because we're not meant for that, you guys. We know it. We're not gods. Whether you want to admit it or not, you're little, weak, poor, and wounded. And when pleasure, pleasure, honor, wealth, power, when you get rid of those, you're finally going to see who you are. That's why Jesus is so adamant. Take the lowest seat. Move against this tendency. If you're addicted to honor, go out of your way to not get it. I dare you to try it this week. 
You know if something goes wrong, take the blame for it. If there's a job nobody wants to do, do it. Let others go before you, always. Go out of your way to help somebody. Give money to a cause without anybody knowing it's you. Or as Mother Teresa said, do great things, do small things with great love. Don't be seen. Because this helps us get us out of our fantasy world where we created our little kingdom and puts us into the real world. You know what's got me thinking? This is your turn to answer a question. Crowd participation. Do you guys know where the lowest seat is in this church? Right here? Nope. It's that, we know this. It's not there. That's the seat of honor. That's my seat. I, I'm made to sit there. I didn't choose to sit there. Lowest seat. Hmm? Nope. Confessional. Who said it? Confessionals. Gee, physically, it's the lowest seat. It's down the stairs. It also is the most humble seat. You guys, don't come here and take your seat of honor. Until you've gone to the lowest seat. In there you will find out who you really are. In there the mask comes off. In there it's you wounded, broken, begging for mercy. So many avoid the confessional because either number one, they think they don't need it. Which is a godlike complex. Or number two, there's vanity. What are people going to think of me if I go in there? What's father going to think of me when I go in there? And vanity will actually hold people's slaves to their sin and block them from freedom. It's amazing. You guys, I don't care what you've done. I have probably done way worse than you. What I care about is you getting reconciled to God and living in a state of freedom. You coming into that confessional, I don't say, you walk out and be like, dang. <laughs> what a loser. People ask me if I see miracles as a priest. I see miracles every single day that I hear a confession. A soul reconciled to God? That's a miracle. And when you come out of there, I have more respect for you because you care more about what God thinks than anybody else. When you're back there, Jesus frees you from sin. And in all humility, you can say, this is me. Poor and broken. I got nothing, Lord, except what you give me. Then you will understand what you truly need. And it's not the approval of others. What you need is love and mercy. And when Christ heals you, he will take you from that low seat and he will pull you to the highest seat, which is what we call holiness.